Welcome to episode 11 of Talk Commerce, a Tech Edition special. These episodes are focused on commerce development and will have content relevant to the merchant. We interview Melgiel Balparda from Nexus, a Magento hosting company. We talk about Magento development environments and how it's moving to the cloud. The interview takes place from the Minneapolis St. Paul Airport. This episode was recorded on May 14th, 2021. Welcome to this special episode of Talk Commerce Tech Edition. Magento Creative, partnering with the client to help fulfill their strategic growth, serving the world as an Adobe Gold partner and Big Commerce Elite partner. Magento, the code of commerce. Eway Corporation, the partner of choice for technology, infrastructure, and enterprise-level digital solutions, an AWS Select Consulting Partner, Eway Corporation, forward together. All right, welcome to this next episode of Talk Commerce Tech Edition. Tech Edition. Yeah, we'll see how that works. Uh, last time I did that with Derek, it completely ruined the um, it ruined the mic settings. So uh, I'm learning a lot about equalizing voices. Uh, today I have Miguel Balparda. Balparda. I'm trying to say it in a in an Argentinian accent, and it's never going to work. So Miguel, go ahead and inter- introduce yourself. You'll do a better job than me. All right. Hello, everybody. My name is Miguel Valparda. I've been working with Nexus for the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years. I'm working as a product manager for our Magento cloud. And before that, I used to be well, the architect of our cloud. Nexus is probably one of the largest Magento commerce, sorry, Magento cloud providers by any metrics. And it's been a fun ride so far. I get to work mostly on infrastructure performance. And lately, I've been trying to work more on development environments to try to replace how developers work in their local computers. Yeah, great. And I, you just gave a great talk at Magento Connect right after Mag- Adobe, the Adobe Summit. And uh, I kind of wanted to key on on that and maybe talk a little bit about how uh, what you're doing can help the developer. But then at the end result is that, that it's always going to help the merchant making sure their code gets to the server faster, gets in the right way, uh, and has quality. Yep. So here's the thing about development environments. They are really complex to create and maintain. I've seen many companies, many agencies having issues with that and creating ton of billable hours. And I, that's, that's one of the things I want to, to avoid. You know, creating a development environment is expensive. Having a personal laptop for development is expensive too. We're talking about 16, 32 gigabytes of RAM and i7 and probably a solid state disk. So one of the things I've been trying to do lately is try to create a cloud-based development environment so people can, you know, reuse some of our infrastructure, maybe with lower resources, like lower concurrent users, lower RAM, lower virtual CPUs and bandwidth and storage too. But at the end of the day, I want someone else to have that problem. I don't want companies, I don't want developers, I don't want system operations teams to try to create and maintain these environments and basically move those to the cloud. You know, one of the things we usually see is that a lot of developers, they face issues when they try to deploy their code and move them from their local environment to the production or cloud environment because the system, sorry, the software versions, they don't match. I've seen people developing with MySQL and PHP, I don't know, 7.2, 
And when they go to production, we are using MariaDB and PHP 7.4, you know, and people ask me, well, how, how different can that be? And I'm like, well, it has a lot of differences. From MySQL to MariaDB, that's a completely different story. PHP 7.2 to 7.4, that's gonna be a problem. It's not gonna be huge, but sometimes you're gonna be facing backward incompatibilities. And I think, I think having a stable or like standardized cloud development environment can help a lot. What, what's your experience there, Brent? You you had a you have a great, a huge development team. And I think I think that's something that can work for companies like Wagento, right? Yeah, I think that what we've experienced is the the developers are taking a lot of time setting up their local environment. And especially when you have a client that uh, needs something quickly and it's it is a complex install. Getting somebody on board sometimes could take an entire day and the client cannot understand why would it take a day to get just somebody running, working with our environment. And it's even getting worse now with, uh, with all the different um, integrations that have to happen with Magento, uh, that those things are making it even more complicated to get a new person onboarded to a project. So, Yes, you are exactly right. Originally, I had I've been a big proponent of working locally, having a standardized local environment. Uh, maybe Docker is a good solution, and and I know that uh, you know Warden uh, is a great is a great solution as well. Um, but again, then it does suck up a lot of resources on your local machine. The downside against the remote uh, development is if you are in a place where you have limited or poor um, uh, poor connectivity, you could have an issue. Or if your connectivity goes down completely, I realize that that is now less and less a case. Um, so I guess my first question to you is how, is there a big issue with connectivity when you are doing this development on a remote server? Well, the thing is you need internet. At this point, I think having internet is like having electricity. What happens if your electricity goes down and you have like low battery? It's 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 kind of it's kind of tricky if you ask me because not everybody has the same internet connections or like the same bandwidth or speed. But again, we are talking about something which is already required. It's not like I'm adding an extra requirement there. It's not like I'm asking people to have, I don't know, they have a 100 megabyte app link or like a really fast internet connection. This is something that's already required. And while I understand not everybody has the same infrastructure at home, this is not something that should be counted as an extra requirement. Is at this point, not having internet is pretty much the same as not having electricity. And that's, again, it's, it's problematic because not everybody has the same level of infrastructure, but I don't think I'm adding an extra, an extra requirement by asking people to have connectivity. It's true. What you just said is true. If you don't have a great internet connection, the file syncing might be slower or like the response times might be slower. But again, that's also the case when you have to resolve to a third party while using a local environment. So again, I don't think this will this new approach will add an extra requirement for people developing from home. That's not something I can solve. It's not like I can it's not like I can change the way people develop. So it's 
I don't have an answer to that, to be honest. Yeah, oh, I mean, I, I just, I, I completely agree with you. I, I think that you have to have internet, you have to have electricity. There's a couple of things that are a must now to be working on the internet on projects that are going to be launched on the internet. So, and, and so, yes, uh, I guess, so then from a development standpoint, um, the developer, um, uh, do they, do they still save their files locally? Just, just help me understand the technical part of it. They save their files locally and they get pushed to the remote server. Just kind of run me through how that works. I'm still working on that particular part. If you ask me, and probably that's the case for you too, I would be more than happy to work via SSH. But there are quite a few developers who are not that comfortable, and sometimes they would need a guided user interface. So I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head around how companies do their processes now and try to understand if I have to create a script to synchronize the files between the local file system and the remote file system. Or maybe I can simply use something like the SSH plugin VS Code has. Because if you can manage Git through SSH, through the command line interface, that's all you need. But again, there are gonna be cases where people are gonna need the guided user interface to like click, second click the file, create a commit and push that through Git using a guided user interface. So it's, it's kind of tricky. I think AirSync is a good solution. I also think mounting a remote file system is an okay solution too, but it's that's the part I'm still working around. I'm not really sure, to be honest, because again, there are different levels of developers who are comfortable with the CLI, and the more comfortable you are, the less you need a guided user interface. But if you are not that comfortable, you might need that to you know, push your files through Git, because at the end of the day, it's not like you need a file system or like a mounted file system. You need to find a way to use Git or like SBN or any version control software you use. If you are comfortable using a CLI, there's nothing else I need to do. But if you are not that comfortable, well, I think guided user interface might help. And that's gonna come in the form of a sync or you know, a mounted remote file system. Yeah, I mean, and I'm a big proponent of CLI. I, I think every developer needs to learn Vim and v, VI <laughs> for doing their their file editing. Um, uh, so, okay, so just tell me a little bit then about what you're doing uh, at at Nexus to help developers build out these remote environments. Basically, what we are doing at Nexus is to try to recreate the same type of plans we have, trying to have the same software versions we use in production and try to use lower resources class because nobody needs, I don't know, a hundred concurrent users in a development environment, you know? Nobody needs, I don't know, a hundred gigabytes of bandwidth or like one terabyte of storage. You don't need that for Magento 2. Maybe you need, I don't know, 500 megabytes of storage and I don't know, a couple of hundred megabytes of bandwidth. We have a heavy traffic site, but at the end of the day, this is going to be visited by one or two concurrent users at max. So it's that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to recreate the same type of environments, the same type of plants we have, so people can simply reuse what they already know. And also, we are trying to catch developers early in their development pipeline. You know, I've seen more and more companies leaving the hosting or the cloud decision for like a later phase of their projects. And sometimes that's why they face incompatibilities because if you leave your hosting election for like the last 
minute of your project, you're gonna you're gonna find out that we are using MariaDB and you were using MySQL really late in your pipeline. So one of the reasons I'm also trying to create this type of cloud-based environments is to you know try to catch the developers early in the development pipeline, so they are used to our environments and they don't need to make this choice, this cloud choice, so late in the pipeline. So that's pretty much what we're doing with this. Yeah, no, and that's a that's a great initiative. Um, I think it's really going to help uh, getting developers on board onto projects quicker. Um, I, I, the other thing too is if if the you know I, I know on the Amazon the world there's this thing is called a golden AMI, having a place where a developer can just go get a box that he can he or she can work on quickly, even as a bare minimum Magento. Um, is going to be imperative so they're not fighting their local and fighting trying to figure out something and and I you make you really do uh, bring up a great point about having different parts of the system having different software and them having to try to switch between PHP 7 and 7.4 and 6.2 <laughs> that was my little joke um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um, we haven't even yeah we haven't even talked about like the pricing or how complex it is to keep your local environment up to date with all the system requirements one of the things i keep seeing is that magento keeps adding new requirements like Elasticsearch, now varnish and RabbitMQ, and it's not that simple to have that in your local computer and at some point you're also going to need node.js you know if you're doing front-end work so i'm, I'm trying to to make everybody's life simpler, you know, trying to manage that, which is also always a pain. And the pricing is gonna be, it's gonna be really cheap. I think it's gonna be between 15 and 25 bucks a month, a developer. And I think anybody doing Magento will find that fair. You know, we're talking about a really expensive development tower. And if you add 25, 50 bucks a month, a developer, instead of buying every developer a really expensive laptop, that's gonna be that's gonna be useful for everybody. Yeah, I mean that's a really good point. I've I haven't really thought about the hardware side of it that they don't have to have a. They're gonna want a really expensive laptop regardless. They're all gonna want the MacBook <laughs> Pro with thirty-two gigabytes of memory and a terabyte uh, six terabyte hard drive with four gigabyte of, of video memory. But you're exactly right. They could all work on a um, on an inexpensive PC uh, and do all this work locally. Um, so I know that um, in in your presentation at Magento Connect, you did talk about some of the um, pitfalls around doing this uh, in terms of getting the developer or even getting um, getting an agency on board with this. Uh, how do you feel the like, where do you think, think the biggest resistance are and how are we going to get over that resistance to make, to kind of change that mindset? That's always the trickiest part. When we go to a partner and tell them, and tell them hey, you got to change your processes, that's where they fight. Nobody wants me to tell them how they have to work. Everybody has their own processes. You know, They have their own development for workflow. They have their own development to station, to QA, to UAT, to production pipeline. So that's where most of the resistance is going to be, I think. I think people won't understand what we're trying to do here at first, but then when they see it's going to be 
it's going to be actually cheaper for them and it's going to be simpler for them to spin up these environments and maintain them. I think that's why, that's how we are going to be convincing these large agencies. Because again, nobody wants their processes to be changed because they think they work, they think they are not that expensive. But if I take away that complexity from them, I think it's going to be way simpler for everybody to spin up an instance and be like, okay, I don't need to spend, I don't know, 10, 15 hours to spin up an instance, create a migration and start working. I can do that in 15 minutes. And that's that's what I want to do. I want people to have a Magento 2 development environment ready in 15 minutes. And that's what you just said. It's going to be way simpler to, um, way simpler to onboard people into this new workflow because how easy it's going to be. Yeah, and I think uh, another another good add-on here would be that those peripheral things like Live Search, Elasticache, Redis, Varnish could be something that's already sitting there running that all you'd have to do is connect. They wouldn't have to. So for for you know, my next question was going to be: Do you think this complements or competes competes against Docker? Uh, but Docker, you still have to spin up one of those environments locally and then deploy it to the cloud, right? To make it work right or to make it work for you. Um, so if if there's, and, and again, you can correct me here from the technical side, if there's something already running that you can connect to, that would make the, the um, developer's life uh, infinitely easier when they spin up an environment, then they all they need to know that they need to connect to this Varnish server, this Redis server, and this uh, Live Search or Elasticast server. I'm assuming Live Search is going to be a, a, a well, it is a SaaS platform from Adobe, so that will be there for them to connect to anyways. But if they need to do something like Elasticsearch, which I guess they have to now <laughs> in the newest version of Magento, uh, all those things will be there uh, for them to do. Are you envisioning? Yeah, this no, be... that's. Yeah, go ahead. That's where you go. Are you envisioning this all sort of like a GUI that somebody could? There's not going to. There's there's just going to be a little GUI. They just push a button and boom, they go. Yep, we already have that. It's it's going to be the same user interface we we offer for our current customers, and that includes all the microservices we do as containers, like Varnish, Elasticsearch, RabbitMQ. We all we, we include all that in our current products, in our current plans. And this is going to be the same. It's going to be the same platform, the same guide user interface. So it, it's going to be it's going to be exactly the same. You know, it's going to look the same. It's going to work the same, but with lower resources. So just like you said, if people need Elasticsearch, they will have to click a button and you will have the endpoints exposed to you in our portal, basically making your life extremely simpler because Docker is great. I like it. And I know a lot of people will still use that in their local environments because they like that and it works for them. But this is going to be for less technical, less infrastructure people. You know, not everybody likes servers. Like if it were me, I would create my stuff locally all the time and I would spin up my own servers because I can and because I love it. But not everybody has the same feelings for that. And not everybody, not everybody wants to spend their time spinning up servers and seeing how they work and assigning resources. So it's, this is going to be for people who don't have that time, who don't have that knowledge. And I think one of the reasons people will choose this over Docker will be days of use. Because again, Docker, you will have to download the image, make it run, maybe connect that to a subnet, to a subnet. We don't have that. 
everybody's work, everything is working already in our portal and we are, everything is working in our infrastructure. And it's gonna be a one-click install. It's not like I'm gonna be installing a gen for you because most of the times you won't need that, but we are gonna give you a ready to use development environment. Yeah, and I'm just gonna to say too, on the Docker front, I have Docker running on my computer. I think I have a 2018 uh, i7 MacBook Pro with 16 gigs of memory. This last reboot, oh my gosh, it was taking up 120% of my processor just to do an update. Uh, and I and I eventually, I just had to turn it off. Well, I don't use it that much, but it does suck up a lot of energy on your computer. Not only energy, but just bandwidth and everything else. <laughs> um, yep. So you're, you're exactly right. So like developers like me who aren't really a developer or pretending to be a developer, this is a, <laughs> this is a perfect thing, a perfect environment for them. Um, I will just add that I am also a proponent that developers should learn this sort of stack pipeline. They should learn where the servers are, how they get to the server. They should, in fact, learn how to make a server, build it, you know, not build, but actually put together a Magento site on a server installing Magento. I think that they should at least go through that as a rudimentary step in their knowledge, just so that it helps them debug at some point in knowing, hey, is this an issue with PHP? Is this an issue with the server? Uh, I think some of those things are things that developers should know, but I think you're right that they don't need to have to do it all the time. And um, they don't necessarily have to know all the details. That's true. And that's what we usually see. There are some developers who like doing this, but there are some others who simply don't. And at some point, it's not like you're gonna be a full stack developer if you know the server setup. But again, it's, it's useful, you know, it's useful for you to debug, it's useful for you to understand where the issues are. Not everything is a code issue. Like most of the times it's gonna be a code issue, but there are gonna be times where the server is gonna be a problem and you really need to understand how to debug that and how to see where the problem is. And I don't know if this is gonna help developers know more about their infrastructure because we're gonna be managing this for them, but I do think it's gonna make their development pipeline simpler at some point. Yeah, that's good. And I, um, I, I applaud you for kind of putting some energy behind this initiative. I'm, I'm excited to see this come forward. And I think uh, uh, this is sort of, right now, I, I feel like this is gonna be the future to what we're trying to do um, around uh, developers. Um, I guess some final questions are, you're familiar with the MDoc initiative from Aaron Moss. Have you seen some of what he's doing in terms of remote development environments? MDOQ? Yep, yeah, I've seen that. I think that's great. I think that's a great idea. And one of the reasons I started working on this was because a while ago, we now reached out to me and to MDOQ and we were like, we don't have this. We can we can give you a simple plan and you can do the synchronization, but they already have that working. And I think that's a great idea. And I think that's a great initiative. It's not like we are gonna copy that. It's just that we found out the same issues they found out. Basically developers, they don't want to spend time on this and companies don't want to pay for the, for the cost. 
of the developer environment breaking down. So yeah, I think I think that's a good idea. And I think I'm gonna try to meet them and see how they are solving some of the issues I'm, I'm facing. And I think as an ultimate goal, this would be a great open source project that at least lays out some of the tools that we could be using uh, in a in a generic environment, whether it's on Azure or on or a Nexus, or if it's on AWS, or just a way or a path forward for developers to to automate as much as they can automate, but to help them understand, hey, if they just go to Nexus and I'm just going to spin up a virtual box, here's some steps that I can do to help me automate this, and maybe here's some tools that will help me um, from a development standpoint automate some of these processes. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's what I wanted to do. I think at some point, once once I know how I'm going to be doing the file synchronization between the local and remote file system, I'm going to open source that because I think that's going to be a key tool. So yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great idea. All right. Uh, so I think we're we're at the end of our time here. Uh, I appreciate you um, taking taking time to talk to us and. I apologize that I'm stuck in an airport lounge and maybe the sound isn't the best, but it's been great uh, doing this. And we're definitely gonna have to have some follow-up episodes uh, specifically around remote development environments and how, how uh, you're helping doing that. Um, so as a plug, I always like let people do a shameless plug. Go ahead and tell us something about uh, whatever you wanna talk about. Yep. I think, I think we cover all the topics I had in mind. If anybody wants to find me, I think I'm, I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, you can find me everywhere. And if you ever wanna talk about cloud infrastructure, performance, or even development environments, I'm also, I'm always open to that. So yeah, you can find me on Twitter. And I hope some of you reach out to give me some advice because I haven't developed full time in, I don't know, a decade maybe. And I'm, I might be a little bit rusty, so if anybody has an idea, if anybody wants to talk about this with me, I'm also open. And I'll just add on that you work for Nexus and Nexus is completely awesome for anything hosting on Magenta, for anything hosting, let's just put that. Uh, and, um, and I really appreciate all the work you've been doing and especially the work in the community that we do. We didn't even get to community about the Magento community. Um, however, I do have one thing that I would like to bring up um, I am planning a hackathon. We're planning a hackathon in January of 2022. So hopefully everybody's able to travel. Amanda will be in Orlando, Florida. So uh, I'm hoping, you're, you're, are you still a maintainer? I do, I'm still a maintainer. So there I'm we gonna go. take a plane the second weekend you, and I'm gonna go to Florida with you. Yeah, you are definitely gonna have to be there. Um, for this Magento Hackathon in Orlando, Florida. And I'm just gonna add on that that's where Disney World is. And if you have kids, that's a great place to go. So we're thinking like Thursday, Friday would be the hackathon. I would like to have some kind of a little meet Magento type of thing there too. Not super commercially, but more community. Uh, and, uh, and make it uh, just have a fun time. So sort of like we'll call it De developers paradise Disney edition, or I don't know what we're going to call it, but um, the, the focal point right now is still <laughs> some kind of an Adobe hackathon in Orlando, Florida in January. 
All right, that sounds great. And if you don't have kids, Disney is great too. So if you are an adult and want to go visit, you should join us. Yes, uh, my daughter got married and that's where they, she did her honeymoon at, at Disney World. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, well, great. Thank you, Miguel. And it was great talking to you today. And uh, have a right. super- Thank you very much for your time, Brett. Yeah, you too. Cheers, bye. With Gentle Creative, partnering with the client to help fulfill their strategic growth, serving the world as an Adobe Gold partner and Big Commerce Elite partner. Wagento, the code of commerce. Eway Corporation, the partner of choice for technology, infrastructure, and enterprise-level digital solutions, and AWS Select Consulting Partner, Eway Corporation, forward together. Thank you again for listening. My name is Brent Peterson, and it has been my pleasure to be your host today. Please rate and subscribe to Talk Commerce, new shows out every week.